Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and welcome to episode 32. Ever a fi- uh, oh, ever a trochado of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone, learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, go to www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Crohor Maknyasa. And among other things, he teaches a little bit of Irish Gaelic in Kansas City. I believe he's a student there and he's a native of Belfairishte uh, or Belfast. Crohor, can I say that too? I'm to hear Sure, Tom Eros. To certain gear, I tossed you in Erin. Now, listen, can I say Kansas City? It's a year ago for Dirtshire. Dirtshire and Talbot, Grimace, Kirsch Doctor, and Shock to Hugging. So, thank Gabriel Hawk. Go Gas Dogs, go Talbot, yeah. So, a Kirsch Nachter. It's going to be snowing possibly soon in Kansas City. So, Akhrafor, tell us, like, you're an Irish man living in Kansas City. We met during the summer because I was at the very cool Kansas City Irish Fest. Yeah. So, um, what brought you to Kansas City? Uh, it's a long story. Well, uh, it started, you know, as back home as kids. We were always looking somewhere to go to get out of the cold and with a lot of youth, youth clubs. So I started joining my local youth club uh, in Belfast in the winter time. We used to go in and sit there, play a bit of pool, a bit of, a bit of crack like. And uh, I, there was this, I heard about this program called Children for Peace, uh, which was started by a group of Kansas City fellas uh, about 15 years ago now, I'd say. And I heard that you got the opportunity to go to America for free, so I was like, yeah, why not? So I applied <laughs> for it. I got, went through like an interview process. Basically, get on the program. The program is basically it's 20, 20 kids from each community in Ireland, the Protestant communities and the Catholic communities in Belfast. They all tend to take a few people from the likes of Derry and um, Newry and a few places like that. But uh, basically what it is, it brings them together, the two, the two communities, because most of us, uh, you believe, as you know, I'm sure that uh, Belfast is segregated into the, the British and the, the Irish. Most of us never, like when I was 16, I'd never, I'd never spoken to a Protestant, believe it or not. And there's a, you know, the communities down the street from me, we just don't bother with each other. So the goal for this program is to sort of bring them together and uh, just sort of show them that we're not so, not so different. Just to try and get rid of the, a bit of the bitterness and they get a trip to Kansas at the end of it. And I was in part, part of the program at first in 2008 and then I just stayed involved. I was like, look, I got a, a free trip to America. I may as well stay involved, help out with fundraising and stuff like that. So eventually in 2011, I uh, got asked to come back as like a youth leader for the program. And then I got offered a sponsorship through that for college. Uh, there's a guy, one of my friends out here, he uh, offered to sponsor me if it was to come out to Kansas for college. So that's hmm. I ended up here. No, cool. Are you loving it? Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. I miss home. Like all my family is still back back in Ireland, and all my friends. And but I do have a good group of friends out here, and through the GA clubs out here and stuff. So great group of lads, and have sort of a lot of lads from back home. There's a temporary fellow, Waterford fellow, and a fellow from Cork. So it kind of helps sort of 
be missing home a bit, like, uh, the, the same sort of personalities and sense of humour, like, so it sort of helps. <laughs> yeah, that's cool to have a bit of your own around you. Yeah. Um, what I would say is uh, just on accents, right? Uh, we all think we don't have an accent, each yeah. person. So I think, oh, my accent is pretty understandable. But do Americans find it tough? And listeners will be able to tell or not whether they find it tough to understand you or not. But do you find that you have any problems being understood? Oh, yeah, I mean, all the time. <laughs> uh, and you, I've learned to be able to tell that they can't understand me, you know, they just get this glazed look in their eye, like it just glaze <laughs> over and they just nod, like they don't really answer you or like the answer they give you just doesn't make sense. So it's like, that's our no. It happens a lot in work for the coffee shop and stuff. And I'm trying to ask people for the amount of money they owe or whatever and they just don't know what I'm saying. Uh, but after about two or three weeks of being around someone, they usually pick it up a bit. And it varies, like... Uh, some people find it harder to understand Jim, the temporary fella, than they would me. And some people find me harder to understand than him. It just, it's weird how people can understand certain accents compared to others. It's, yeah, he's got a thick accent as well. Uh, yeah, he's been, here, he's been here for about five years, mate. You think he came here yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I was living in uh, France for a while back in college days. Yeah. And uh, after that, I was talking to somebody on the phone in Germany. Yeah. And um, like they had no knowledge of my connection to France at all. But mm-hmm. uh, they said, oh, are you French? I said, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm Irish. But my speaking English, I had picked up a certain accent to try to be understood. Yeah. So obviously that kind of gave me a French accent. Yeah. It was really weird. That's funny. Yeah. I've sort of been fighting it, to be honest. No, just have you? You don't want to lose your accent, then you won't lose it. I think that's how Jim does it. Like he's just, if they don't understand you, that's our problem. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna change my accent. <laughs> so you teach a little bit of Irish, Irish Gaelic in Kansas City, do you? I do. Yeah, help, uh, help out a bit. Yeah, whenever I haven't really done anything uh, the past few months because of school. School stuff's a bit overwhelming at the moment, but. Mm-hmm. I helped out with the bun rang and stuff a few times and I'm sort of waiting around until the students at the moment are up to the higher level, more intermediate, where Renata isn't able to teach anymore. So I'm mm. sort of planning on taking over for that once they get a bit more advanced and then Renata's going to plan on sitting in on the classes for that too then. So. Nice. So yeah. just to say, like you said, the bun rang, so that would be, that would basically mean the the basic class or beginners, right? Yeah. And like the people that you did come across, Crowher, like what were their motivations or what type of people did you come across uh, learning to speak Irish in Kansas City? Uh, it was an interesting group, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the ones that were more dedicated and seemed to pick up language were the more, uh, the older, the more older people, the other later age people, uh, they're the ones that had a bit more time in their hands and retired. They were the ones that were putting a lot of time and effort into the language and they were picking it up like fantastically. I couldn't believe how quick they were picking it up. It was, they have an interesting method of teaching at the, the Union Station that I don't think I'll be able to continue with. But they use, uh, instead of speaking in English and Irish, they use sign language. Uh, sign language? Hmm. They, they don't speak English at all the way through the class and they, they sort of pick it up 
recognize the the Irish words or the Irish sentences using sign language. So I, I, I don't know. It was an interesting method. Uh, it was, I think it was created by a fellow called Brian in uh, Chicago. Uh, he came up with the the method, and he comes out every year for the Irish Center and sort of goes through a class and does like a workshop with them and stuff. And what's the thinking behind the method? Do you know? I think it's just so people aren't thinking in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, are trying to understand it in English, like what does this exactly mean in English? Because of the, like as you know yourself, like whenever you were to directly translate a lot of Irish into English, it doesn't really make sense. So it's sort of trying to get them out of that, that mindset to where they're gonna just think in Irish or thinking they're just not thinking in a language apart from Irish. It's sort of that's uh, that was his sort of idea behind it and reason for doing it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump topics because it's interesting that you were brought up in Belfast as well. So yeah. these days, like, what's the status of the Irish language in Belfast? Because we visited there, my Sasha, my wife, and I, uh, only a couple of months ago. We were real tourists, yeah. uh, driving down the wrong road, uh, <laughs> the wrong side of the piece. While maybe I don't know, it was fine, yeah. um, but on the Falls Road, yeah kind of the area where you were brought up or you, you had connections with it anyway. Yeah. Like I was surprised, for example, to see bilingual Irish and English at road signs. Yeah. So give us a flavor, like how is the Irish language in Belfast? It's it's ever growing, mate, honestly. It's getting better and more uh, popular and popular. There's more and more people learning it. And uh, the schools, there's more and more schools developing, a lot of bun schools. Uh, I grew up... I went through all school in Irish from nursery right up to until I was ready to leave for college. And I, my school was based on the Falls Road, uh, college to first year. And basically, it's just forever growing. Like, there's just more and more people are just getting motivated to send their kids. And there's more and more. Because like, originally, when the school started off, there were, a lot of people were like, well, as parents, I don't speak English. I don't speak Irish, so I'm not going to be able to help them with homeworks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they've developed uh, better sort of programs for helping the kids whose parents don't have the English or putting classes on available for the parents that want to learn Irish so they can't sit down and help their kids with homework. So it's sort of, that sort of support uh, sort of motivated more people to send their kids to the Gaelic school, and it's it's helping to get more popular and popular. And the Falls Road especially, like with the culture line being there and Pub Black Nagiliga, they're, they're constantly uh, pushing pushing the Irish or promoting it and putting on different events throughout the, the city. And What's the Culturland? Culturland is actually, it's a sort of like a cafe that it's all Irish. It has like the, translates all different types of books, like Harry Potter and stuff. The so people who work there would translate those in the Irish and they're all for sale. And it's just like a cafe where you can go in. Everyone that works there speaks Irish, so you have the option to speak Irish to them and order in Irish and that's just based on the Falls Road. It's like an old uh, church-looking thing. Mm. My school started off there, my secondary school, and uh, during the during that time, it was, it was about fifteen years ago. There was no funding coming from the government because of the fact that it was an Irish Irish-speaking school, Irish medium. The government didn't see a reason to, to fund it or anything. So it was, all the teachers were volunteers. There were only three or four teachers. Oh. They taught. They volunteered to teach everyone, and there was no. Had no. Uh, facilities running or sitting on milk crates and old tables and it's developed now in the, a school of almost a thousand pupils and they moved from the culture line uh, eight years ago to uh, a school up on top of Beachman. 
that was done or it was left to them by uh, a nun's. It used to be like a nun mansion type thing, and they turned it into a school there. And then later years, uh, a guy passed away and he left uh, a lot of money for the school. And we were able to build a brand new school there about five or six years ago. Oh, excellent, yeah. And Crowher, like you're you're young enough, uh, you're a good ten years younger than me. But were there what you'd call the troubles at all when you were growing up in Belfast? Uh, I wasn't as factor as such as my parents would have been. I grew up in the height of the troubles, and like we know we were brought up not to go into each other's areas, and if you do, you're more likely something's going to happen to you. Unfortunately, that's how it is, and it'll be a while before that changes. But it's definitely we're. The Catholics anyway are a lot better off than what they used to be. The police service and stuff is a lot more fair, and things are getting a lot better. But there's still a lot of lot of improvement and a lot of uh, bitterness to be pushed out. But yeah, it's just a it's a time thing. It's a long process. It'll happen yeah, about. like just to give my perspective, like we went up and in the inner city, um, I didn't see kind of any sign of segregation so I wasn't able to tell uh are people just like ignoring that side of history or like I was interested when you said when by the time you're 16 and you hadn't spoken to a protestant but like surely just wandering into the city there's much more of a mix is there that's 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 the interesting thing it's always been like that where you go into the city center and there's people walking around and Rain, for example, like Rangers tops and Celtic tops, and that's sort of the way of identifying each other. We just walk past each other as if nothing's happening, and we don't, nothing happens. We've always, it's always been like a neutral ground type of thing. <laughs> and uh, them in each other's areas, it's a completely different atmosphere, a different thing. I don't know, it's always been like that. It's, it's, huh. Yeah. So it's like it's your turf, and that kind of that feeling definitely survives, but then in the city centre, it's much i don't know a, a flatter yeah thing. that's yeah that's interesting we were staying in uh just a b&b just on in the outskirts of the city it wasn't in the city center but it was still in the built up area yeah. so um mcdonald's um well i don't know there was it was light lands down road i remember yeah. that being the case um so the local supermarket local safeway you know, there was a lot of British flags and stuff, so we were kind of going, hmm, what's it going to be like here, parking our uh, Republic of Ireland car and stuff? But, like, it was beautiful where we were staying. It was just kind of a suburban place. But then down the road, there was the public park, which has that peace wall segregation running through it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about this peace wall, which is basically just a massive wall that you can't climb over and throw stuff up? (laughs) It, it divides the Falls Road and the Shankill Road. Uh, Shankill Road would be the more predominant uh, British area. The Falls Road being known as the more predominant Catholic area in Belfast. But one of them anyway in the west of Belfast. The Peace Wall has been there. And honestly, I, I can't I can't say how it would be. Because there's talks of the Peace Wall being taken down. Um, and it's hard to tell how, the, how things would be if that was to happen. I don't know if mm. the city's ready for that or... If trouble would happen or if people would uh, would be okay with it, but I suppose it doesn't. I mean, if people do want to fight, they can just walk around the wall. I mean, it's a it doesn't have to be there, I suppose. But it served a, definitely served a purpose during the troubles for sure. 
Hmm, interesting. And like, what's your perspective of Belfast's future? Like, how do you see it kind of working out over the next generation? Well, it all depends. Uh, if we get the opportunity to unite with the, the free state and all that depends, because there's talks of that happening within the next five years or so, I would say. Um, it all depends on whether that happens or not. For the future, I can, it's, it can only get better. We can just, we'll just have to learn to live with each other and going to get better over time and I think it's on the, the up and the up and mending and the, our politicians are learning to work together from each party and I don't know things are just getting better I think and they're, they're going to continue to get better. Mm. Did, did you have any um, opinion about the vote in up in Scotland last couple of months on whether to become an independent country? I can't I just can't get my head around why a country would like vote against their own independence but yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely surprised, and at the fact that they didn't vote for it. But I think it was down mostly down to the the pensioners because uh, they were going to they were going to take a, a huge cut in their pension for the the independence, and I just think a lot of them just didn't want to do it. And mm. I don't know, it would have been very tough for them, but uh, the, the European Union told them they weren't going to be able to they weren't going to be part of the European Union as a separate country. Um, they were going to have to make their own currency, and it would have been very difficult for them. But at the same time, like I can't believe they voted against their own independence. It's just crazy. William Wallace mm. would be his grave. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting about the European Union, isn't it? It's like it, they took a, a side that's different to what I thought they might have taken. But yeah, it's it's interesting how all this plays out. But as the generations go on, these things change as well, eh? Yeah, it's change. So, Akrahor, um, you in Kansas City, um, you were wearing your GAA, your Gaelic Athletic Association shirt um, for Kansas City team. Isn't that right? You play yeah. hurling? Yeah, I play a bit of hurling and play a bit of football out here for the Kansas City GAC Uh so pretty pretty new team. It's only about six years old, uh, so it's still pretty young. Uh, I've only been with the club about two or three years. Uh, the past year, I've been the director of the hurling team and uh, helped out oh, a lot in football. So uh, we do a lot of traveling around the states since we're the only we're the only team in Kansas. Uh, but it's just great to see that the the sports are developing out here. It's absolutely huge out here in America, and it's just amazing to see our people are taking to it and appreciating the sport and uh, the sports that sports all of Ireland like are beautiful sports and it's just nice to see that people are appreciating them and committing to them sort of trying to promote them in other countries mm. and do you get people like are they Irish immigrants or are there Americans maybe with Irish heritage joining in on the teams most of our, most of our team would be American five Irish fellows but the more predominant the more uh the better teams anyway, like San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, then guys, New York, they've all, most of their players are Irish now. They, they would get people over for work and pay them to come out and play. <laughs> they've all they've all the good players from Ireland and taking all the county players. But uh, for us in Kansas, we're just, whoever, any Irish fellas that do come into the into Kansas usually look us up, get in touch that way, but... Uh, most of our team are generally American. A lot of them have Irish heritage, some of them don't. They've just seen the sport, found it really unique and interesting, wanted to try it. A few Hispanic players too. 
So uh, I was really interested to see there are a lot of good footballers and Hispanics that come out. Hmm. And how does it work? Tell me a bit more about the, the travelling. So how far do you have to travel to find another team? Uh, our closest team is St. Louis. That's about four hours drive. St. Louis are a huge team. They have a panel of a, group, a core of players of about 200 for between both sports. So they're able to make about two or three teams. So they're a lot more developed and a lot more uh, a lot more players than us. So they're a lot more advanced. So it's kind of difficult for them to want to come out and play us all the time because of the they're at a different level than us pretty much. Uh, so the closest pretty closest competition that we have that is at our level would probably be Madison and Wisconsin. They're about eight hours away. So <laughs> we'd have to drive to all our tournaments. It's, that's the only bar, the bad part there. Well, there's some Gwailgori in Madison, so that'd be a good place to find some people. That's yeah, good. I had one other, uh, was our last year from Dublin, fell from Dublin. He was a young fella, he was out here, he was out in Madison teaching Irish. So he was. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So yourself, do you see yourself uh, staying in the States or what kind of plan would you have? Uh, well, I'm at a community college at the moment. I'm studying graphic design, but my original plan when I come out here was to, to go out and study uh, architecture. So I'm going to do that after I leave here. I'll be heading on to another college in Manhattan. I'm going to study architecture out there. And once I'm finished, I'll just sort of go with the flow. I don't really want to have any plans, so I can't get my hopes, don't want to get my hopes up in case it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So I just sort of go with the flow, and things usually work out for me. So I just leave it at that. Like, I just... Let it happen. <laughs> Fair play to you, yeah. And if, if and when you get to New York, will you be joining the same kind of thing there, the Irish community? Uh, oh, so I'm at Manhattan now. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, ah, thanks for correcting me, yeah. I forgot, yeah, I never forgot to say that. I forgot to go to Manhattan in New York. But yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably just stay with our club or maybe look into trying to start a a club with the university out there since it is so far away then maybe if I get club started with in the college then that's someone for us to play I mean, so that's two yeah. teams and the same that might be a good, good thing to start but uh, I'll definitely be staying I'll stay involved with the Kansas lads anyway they're a good group of lads that's good hey I have to ask you about um, you're calling it Kansas I was in Kansas City and I definitely know I was in Missouri for most of the time yeah, and we crossed over a little bit to Kansas State. So, are you in Kansas City, Missouri? No, I'm in uh, Kansas. Uh, I'm, not even, I'm just outside of. I'm in Johnson County. It's just about about twenty minutes outside of Kansas City, Kansas. And do you get any impression of um, people's Irish heritage around Kansas City? Like, is there much of a an Irish background in the city at all? Other that there's definitely there's a huge uh, Irish. Uh, community here uh you just have to know where to go to look for it it's not as as out there as most most of the bigger states as chicago and boston and them but there's definitely a huge community uh, a lot of Irish. there's the irish center and union station as you know and then there's a lot of brands irish market sheehan's they both set to sell all irish products then there's all the the irish schools or the irish dancing groups and then there's the irish speaking groups there's the irish music groups and there's a GAA, there's, there's a big community and a lot of heritage out here, but as I say, you just have to know where to go to look for it. Hmm, yeah. cool. That, well, Crawford, I have to say, like, thanks a lot for giving us a flavour of what Kansas City is like and 
bit of your own perspective like it was interesting to ask you a bit about uh, Belfast City because oh, yeah, yeah it was, we were visiting there and didn't really have a, a local there to ask yeah. these things like we were walking through the city and kind of going there doesn't seem to be much kind of segregation going on here that's the story now one big thing I have to say for tourism in Belfast is that Titanic yeah. experience or center we were there on a Sunday morning and the cars were majority from Republic of Ireland and just flowing in. So obviously a lot of people were just driving up that morning and uh, giving it a visit. So I'd say it's on the touristy side of things, but if you're in Belfast, it's definitely a landmark. They've really built up the experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great little tour. Yeah, that museum was just finished there before I left, so I haven't, I haven't visited it myself, but it does, it's impressive looking from the outside anyway. Yeah, cool. Before we finish, there was just a couple of reviews of the uh, this podcast I wanted to read out. Yeah. So on iTunes, uh, Brian uh, gave us a five-star rating. Grameel Mahagat Brian. And I'll try to do him justice. Uh, he wrote in Irish, he said, Vishina Harkyon on episode 26, I think. Uh, I interviewed Sheena, if you want to listen back. Vishi Harkyon, Agassi, Achershias, Erchonor, Nagoelga, Agasser, Nahuder, Atalish, and Agriachtshin. Vishi Gajasi, Achlostal, Agas, Fanme, Anna, Hanev, As, Erfad, Asanagalev, Lahon. So he's saying he enjoyed the episode and uh, thanks to Sheena for that uh, interview that she did do. And then over on Twitter, you can tweet us at Irish, not the Gaelic bit, because all that would be too long. Twitter didn't like our username. And uh, that was Tio Chaz, uh, who said, Loving the podcast, Owen, um, have found myself a bit infatuated with Irish Gaelic. Fascinating language. And he said, it's Americanach me. I'm an American. So the first time I read that tweet, I thought he said, I'm a bit infuriated with Irish Gaelic. <laughs> so I was happy to find out it was just infatuated. So, um, thanks so much for the time you've spent uh, chatting with us. And I'm sure if people have questions, they can uh, ask us a question on the show notes page. Huh? Yeah, Barbara B. Yeah, anytime, yeah, anytime. Enjoyed it. Thanks for asking me to come on the show. I was wasn't expecting it. It was good to see. You. I was happy when I seen the email, and I was looking forward. I was excited for the the interview. Like so, thanks very much. Yeah, it was excellent crack, and I have to say thanks for the great welcome in Kansas City too, because I really enjoyed it. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so, so to leave a comment for Krohor, if you're interested, you can leave a comment at bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and all you need to do is find episode 32 and leave a reply there if you're loving the show the best you can do is go to iTunes and leave us a written review there I much appreciate it uh, you can contact us with listener questions and if you have like uh, ideas on guests uh, of who to cover on the podcast you can email us at podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com and finally, thanks to Tsukumo in Japan for their music, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. And until the next episode, Slán Gafol. Bye for now. <laughs>